When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. It's time for today's Lucky Land Horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane, so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say. Your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions. Supply. Welcome to United Hour, your one-stop shop for all things Manchester United. I'm your host, Nick. And I'm Jamie. Yes, we are recording here on Tuesday, so a few days after our last game against Watford, which was a very frustrating 0-0 draw. We will be covering that game, uh, but we'll also be having a big look ahead at an absolutely mental march we've got coming up. Uh, You can definitely call this the month of death. Uh, with Manchester City, Spurs, <laughs> Atletico Madrid and Liverpool to come. Uh, you know, our February was kind of a hectic schedule where we were playing every few days. But on paper, most of the matches were kind of winnable games apart from that Atletico away. Um, but yeah, March is the opposite where we've got no midweek games, just one match a week. Um, but the absolute kind of schedule from hell, basically. And, you know, I spoke to Imran kind of around this time last week and uh, I was talking about these games already and he said, look, don't forget Watford. That's exactly the kind of game we mess up. <laughs> um, but, ah, look, let's, let's, let's get straight, dive into that Watford game. I mean, I, how, how did we not score a goal? How did we not score a goal in that game, Jamie? Come on, tell me, how can it be? Uh, I'm kind of split on this because on the one hand, I'm the same as you. How did we not score? Because you see the chances, you see the highlights. It's unfathomable that we didn't score on Saturday. But then then you start seeing statistics getting bandied around. Like Since, I think it's the start of January, nearly a third, less than a third of our shots are on target. Which, that just tells its own story, really. We are having plenty of chances, plenty of decent chances as well, but the forwards are just really struggling to get anything on target. I mean, even if you just look on, look in isolation at the game on on Saturday, there's the, the, the Bruno chance for me is actually the best one of the lot, the one where he's through. He can actually pass it by Foster, but he hits it right at him. Even if he decides not to shoot, Ronaldo's unmarked five yards to his right, waiting for a tap-in. But that wasn't... There was so many, man. There were so many chances. Ronaldo hits the post when he should score. He's offside when he shouldn't be offside. There's another couple of chances he has from more or less edge of the six-yard box that he should be scoring. Sancho has a couple of chances from the edge of the box. It's... it's I couldn't... I, I, I actually missed the game on Saturday because I, I just was busy and I must have watched the highlights about three times because you were going back and watching certain passages of play that were really good. We worked ourselves into really good scoring opportunities. There was the one where Alanga plays a one-two, I think it's with Pogba or Fred. Uh, actually, he plays it to Fred. Fred plays it to Pogba, slips inside, back to Alanga. Great bit of movement. Finishes lacking yet again. Just plays it wide, doesn't hit the target. And it's it's starting to really, really, not just be frustrating, but it's starting to really cost us now because Arsenal aren't 
messing these games up. They're starting to win. Tottenham, yeah, I know Tottenham lost that game in midweek last week against Burnley, but they win there against Leeds at the weekend. They win against Man City the previous weekend. They're putting the pressure on. Wolves have slipped up a little bit, but they're still putting the pressure on there, there or thereabouts. <laughs> we really can't afford to let this continue, but as I said, like, this has been happening. If you go right back, ignore the Leeds game, the game against Southampton. I'm trying to remember the other games, but I was looking at the fixtures earlier on. There's so many draws. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. games we just shouldn't be drawn. If you look at like the XGs, I mean, uh, Watford, 2.4 for us to 0.4 for them. So saying we should have scored at least two. Southampton, we were at three. We've only scored one that day. Uh, there was the Middlesbrough game where we went out the FA Cup. We had a sack load of chances. Burnley were at like 1.9. We've only got one goal and it's ended up a draw. So yeah, there's several, several games. And I remember saying after one of these, I said, look, we're playing well. Uh, we won't miss that many chances again. I remember saying that. I said, you know, it's a one-off. There's no way our strikers will miss that many chances again. But oh, it's been like three or four matches where it's just crazy. Um, and, you know, we, we said all along that the likes of Ronaldo, that we know he's not going to offer as much in the all-round game. But his point is supposed to be that when he's got a chance, he'll finish it. And that's what we said, you know, look, he'll still finish, he'll still get his goals. And all of a sudden, he's kind of lost that as well from him. Um, I mean, I know you said you didn't watch this game. But yeah, look, it's a three o'clock Saturday kickoff, which, as we know, is still a nightmare to watch in the UK. Uh, blackout rules say you can't watch it. I'm actually abroad with work, so I can watch more Premier League football than you can do in the UK, which is still a crazy thing in you know the year 2022. And uh, all around the world, you can watch these matches, but you can't do it in England. Um, but yeah, I watched this in a cafe in Marrakesh, and actually everybody was supporting Watford because they've got two Moroccans in their squad. Imran Loser and uh, who was playing and Adam Messina who I think was on the bench so yeah they were all kind of supporting Watford for <laughs> this one um, but yeah I just thought look sooner or later this goal is coming and I don't know I still find it really difficult to comprehend how it can't I mean do you put that I, like I say Bruno and Ronaldo are the main two who missed but there was also chances for others I mean Alanga had a very good chance uh, although yeah he had a really good game so I don't want to put it on him Whereas, you know, uh, the likes of Ronaldo, if he's safe, if he's not scoring, then he's not doing that much. Uh, I, I, I mean, what do you think? Where, where do, what do you think's happened to Ronaldo? I, th- I think age is catching up with him now. I do, I do think that. But at the same time, he's playing non-stop because there is literally nobody else. Um, the situation with Greenwood's not helping because that's you down a man straight away. You're now looking at... I know Martial, I think he's actually got injured for Sevilla the other day, um, so he wasn't in the squad. But even still, you're looking at that situation thinking, well, I know the Greenwood thing happened really late in the window, but that probably should have been a discussion that was had, is is keep Martial, because there will literally be chances after that. Rashford's in terrible form, and... Cavani. Cavani, I mean, I love Cavani, but the amount of times he just doesn't make himself available is really frustrating. So it just means constantly Ronaldo's having to play. And I know we have the way we, we've had the discussions a couple of times on the pod saying uh, the manager needs to be braver and drop him and manage his minutes. We don't have that luxury at the moment. We literally don't have it because there is nobody else to play up front. I mean, you could try Rashford just to give Ronaldo a break, but as I said, Rashford's in terrible form, and you're you're just not confident if you make that move. And I like Alanga; I think he offers a lot, but again, he's not a forward. He's a wing. He's a wide forward, so you can't play him up front. Cavani's not there. The only alternative would be you start having to go into the youth teams and just promote somebody just for a couple of games, just to try and get somebody else a run out, but. That, that would have been fine if that happened a month ago, but coming into these games now, as we said, like it's an absolutely crazy march. And the, the, the stand of the games, it's, it really is make or break now, starting with you know City on Sunday and then Tottenham the following week. I, I know it was a dream for Rashford when he made his debut and scored two against Arsenal, but 
it's a totally different kettle of fish, this Man City team, and throwing a young guy in at the deep end just to give Ronaldo a break, even for half an hour or something like that, just isn't going to happen. So I think age is catching up with him. He's not as good as he maybe was even three or four years ago. But I do think he needs a break. He, he, he can't play the sheer number of games he's played in February non-stop with absolutely nobody there to help him, which is the case at the moment. And that is the fault of the club as well, because once the Greenwood thing happened, I do think they should have pushed harder to keep Martial just to have another body in the squad till the end of the season. Yeah, I don't think you can really blame the club there because Martial was already pretty much done by the time that Greenwood news broke. And unless the club knew about this before, uh, which I don't think there's any sign that they did, that, yeah, it's just horrible timing. You know, it wasn't, you know, Martial was already kind of on his way. Uh, you know, the discussions were deep and done. Yeah, but but I do think, I, I understand that, I totally get that, but I, I, I just would have expected the club just to fight a bit harder and say, look, <laughs> we're suddenly very light on bodies here. And no, but it was literally that, already done. It was already like in severe yeah, waiting get, for his I, thing. I do get that. So at that point, it's too late. Um, but I, I do remember saying at the end of the transfer window that I am a bit worried that these number of players out is going to leave us a bit light. And we're taking a gamble on injuries. And, you know, we're never lucky with injuries. I mean, I did agree with Ralph's thing that, look, if players don't want to be here, if they're not happy, then I don't want them here. And that's totally fair enough. But, you know, even in midfield as well, that after, you know, if McTominay's been injured and then there was Matic was out and then you were like, oh, we don't have a lot of options. Like Van der Beek probably would have got a game like a couple of weeks ago. And it's just that kind of sod's law that players who've been waiting for their chance for ages leave. Then all of a sudden there's like an injury crisis. Uh, But yeah, you're right. There isn't that many options. I think the other big issue is, though, that if Ronaldo's minutes were managed, where even if he started... If he kind of came out after an hour, he could manage it. But we know that he threw his toys out of the pram when he got substituted. And I think now that Ralph is probably like slightly, not scared exactly, but reluctant to take him off just because he knows what like that kind of reaction is going to be. And that is a major problem. Uh, I mean, if you talk about going down to the youth team, there isn't that much. There is actually a kid who's getting a lot, a lot of press now and is doing well, but he's only 17, Alejandro Garnacho, And he's been scoring pretty well for like the young team over there and has been playing like doing well in the FA Youth Cup where our youngsters have just progressed. And I think we're also, yeah, playing in a kind of uh, UEFA Youth Champions Yeah, against League. Dortmund. Is it the one against Dortmund? Is exactly. It, tonight exactly, exactly. Uh, so yeah, he would be the only kind of option around there probably but he's only 17 years old and you know he's not even been on the bench he's not even been training with the first team so yeah I can't see it happening I think more likely is that somebody like Rashford or Alanga get a run out up front just to give Ronaldo rest but yeah as you say um, the time to maybe give him the rest was some of these games there was Watford and stuff like that and really the likes of Man City Spurs and whatever are not the time to start uh, rotating over there um, I mean that is one good thing that as we're going to March it's only one game a week which I'm sure he can handle I mean like I say to be fair to Ronaldo he'd started pretty much three matches in a week uh, which is crazy especially at his age but I just think that you know if he'd had his minutes managed if he'd accepted that he can't play 90 minutes in every game then it would just be better for everybody and Maybe he is coming to that realisation himself now that, you know, the Premier League is much harder to physically on you than like Serie A where he's been. And yeah, at this age, you can't just expect to play 90 minutes in every game. Uh, you know, the kind of chances, and it's not even the chances he's missing. There was another couple where like, you know, he had a good opening and he's trying to like cut back and he's just, yeah, getting outdone by the defender every time because he's just that kind of split second slower than he used to be. And it's a little bit even sad to see, um, you know, that a player like him, who still obviously believes 100% in his abilities, is not maybe his feet aren't doing what his head wants them to do anymore. Uh, But, you know, it's normal. It's normal by the time you get to that age. You know, we had Zlatan and stuff like that coming in and you're like, you know, you knew he couldn't play every single game, even though he's in great, great fitness 
for his age. And I think, yeah, Ronaldo is just going to have to accept at some point that, look, you can't play every match. You might only play an hour. You might only come on for half an hour. And that's the best for you. And it's the best for the team. Yeah, I think so. I mean, that's the that's the thing that makes me think he is slowing down because the part the bit about it is saying like he takes the extra touch to try and say draw back to give himself the extra angle. It's not even that. There's so many times I've watched him this season, and it's almost as if he's looking for he's looking for the extra pass. He's looking for the extra movement from one of our other players. It's almost as if. I get the impression too many times he's looking for a pass that's maybe not there or he's looking to be less selfish. And some of the times you're just, you're just begging, him, begging for him to hit it. And that's, like I said, the Ronaldo five years ago, I just think there's so many chances that we get, and it's not even like great chances, it's like half chances, where he's beat a defender, he would immediately shoot or he would immediately force the effort on target. And... It would either go in or it would cause a bit of a commotion and somebody scores a tap in from the deflection of a defender, whatever it may be. But that's even that's not happening now. As you say, it's it's like the stop the ball, move, look for the pass, stop the ball, try and a different kind of shot that just isn't on, that's just not there. And it is sad to see because you just think th- that was never what he was good at. What he was always good at was just the explosiveness the the first time finishing or a get the ball out his feet hit it and it was a goal and I don't know it, it just seems like he's just trying too hard at, t- at times to look for the pass that's not there and yeah maybe it's just his feet aren't quite in tune with his head anymore and that just happens to every single player and if that is the case it is sad because he has been such an unbelievable goal scorer for so long and but yeah, I still hard. think that he can be a great yeah, goal scorer so for us if he accepts that sometimes he's going to be sub, sometimes he's going to be substituted, he's not going to play every game. And yeah, he's got to accept that because quite clearly earlier in the season, he was not accepting it and was not happy, you know, when he was subbed in all. And yeah, that's the realisation he's going to come to, hopefully. Uh, there was also this stat put out that Ronaldo has been offside more than anybody else in the Premier League this season. And by far, there was like... He was like four or five ahead of anybody else. And I think that says a bit. I mean, I do also think a bit of that maybe comes down to sometimes our creative players are not getting the ball to him, the ball that he wants. Uh, sometimes, you know, our players hesitate slightly on getting that. We, don't, we rarely send early balls into the box. Yeah. You know, that kind of goal that Atletico Madrid scored against us. We don't send that ball in that early yeah, where the don't. player can really kind of run into it. Um, and yeah, you know, he is often looking for those balls as well. And you see him get frustrated now and again. But yeah, I guess that's something for them to work out on the training pitch and everything like that. Uh, but I, again, like I don't want to be too negative because even though that draw felt almost like a loss, we actually played some really good football. There were some very good moves our passing was good. You know, that's the thing you thought was moaning about under Ole. And it was true that our passing was way off. We weren't yeah. even managing to get three or four passes together. Whereas like in the last month or so, the actual passing has been far improved. We've been creating so many chances. And I think, you know, that's what Ranjik said in his post-match. He said, listen, my job is just to get this team creating chances. I can't put the ball in the net. Uh, so he's more or less saying, look, I've done my bit yeah. and it's up to the players now. Like, you know, I can't actually score the goal for them. And, you know, if it's a young player who needs some kind of coaching on finishing, you can understand it. But obviously the likes of Ronaldo, Bruno, they don't need that. Langer, yeah, OK. Maybe sometimes he might need a bit of composure. But yeah, look, he had a really great game himself over there. You can't complain about what Langer's done. Yeah, he could have done better with one chance, but... Bruno and Ronaldo were the main two for me because they both had two, even three chances that really should, if not scoring, they should be hitting the target. And that's the problem. They're not even making the goalie make a save. Uh, you know, there was another one where Bruno has a header, which is like yeah. pretty much a free yeah. header. And he like he sends it over the bar. Like, you know, fair enough if the goalie has a good save or something like that. But if you're not even hitting the target, then yeah, only the players can take the blame on themselves. Uh, I mean, you think sooner or later, 
that we're going to absolutely hammer somebody. I mean, all right, we did score four against Leeds, and I hope that's not that kind of hammering <laughs> that's gotten out of the way. Hopefully, that's still waiting and it's not done and dusted. Um, but, but yeah, I, I do subscribe to that. That if if it just would click that little bit of stop having so many tame efforts or shots off target or as you said, not even working the goalie. You can't help but be convinced there must be a game coming where we're going to absolutely smash somebody. Because, as you said, like the one thing that was always my gripe with, even if we were playing well under Solskjaer, it was the passing. The passing was atrocious. And not even just the final pass to set somebody up. It was passing in possession. was was just shocking. It has got much better over the last month. And... Even the goal we scored against the Athletic Madrid was great play. It was it was a great header by Maguire actually picking his man out. Clever play between Fred, Sancho and Ronaldo. And then it's quick passing into Bruno. One touch at his feet, passing to Alanga. That's a great goal. Some of the goals against Leeds, great. Goals even as far back as ones against Aston Villa where we broke on the counter, great. The passing is much better. Um, but as Ralph said, like, he can't be on the pitch and put the ball in the net for them. He can he can engineer it, make the chance, and say, right, that's how we're going to create the chances. Once you guys get in, work the keeper and try and score. I mean, you can't look at the likes of Ronaldo and Bruno and even to an extent Sancho and even Rashford. The thing the thing that's so frustrating is it's a lack of composure. It's as if like you get the ball, as you said, like Bruno's literally if he just heads the ball at the goal, it's a goal, and it's just a wayward header. It's it's awful. Ronaldo hits the post when really he should score. Again, Bruno one on one should score. As you said, I don't want to pick on Alanga, but because he's 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 providing a lot, he's working really hard, he's he's doing better than I thought he would certainly. So you can forgive him because he's just breaking through. But as you said, these established pros, guys that have been there and done it at the international level and at club level, the last thing you would think would be wrong with them is composure in front of goal. But that is absolutely what it looks like. It's like just things are too rushed or too forced or they're trying too hard. If they would just calm down and just... Let it come to him. Ralph's actually said something after the after the Atletico Madrid game when he was talking about Alanga and he said he actually looked, he plays with a smile on his face, he's enjoying himself. And it's like and then he actually said, I wish some of the other players would take a leaf out of his book. And when he said that, I knew exactly what he meant. Because you look at some of our players and there's always like moaning. If the, if a chance goes begging, they moan at somebody else, they moan at themselves. It's like just Keep your head up. Don't let it get you down to the point that the next time a chance comes along, you're being really hard on yourself, and then they, and then it does get harder and harder and harder to actually score because you've been so hard on missing chances. Just relax a bit. Just just chill out. Like if you miss the chance, fine, it's it's gone. Deal with the next one. And I just think the lack of composure and how tough some of the players are on themselves for missing chances. It, you just do want to just just calm down a bit. And it will come eventually. I hope so. I mean, like I say, look, on the positive side, we have been playing well. And the absolute bizarre thing is when, you know, you talk about comparing to under Ole, is that under Ole, we were often outperforming our XG. We weren't creating many chances, but we were actually very good at finishing chances. Yeah, very clinical. People kept, you know, what I'm saying, people kept saying, "Oh, you know, Ole just relies on individual brilliance and things like that." And now it's like literally the opposite, where we're actually creating a sackload of chances but not scoring them. So it's it's just so weird to go like from one extreme to the next. Um, but yeah, look, as I say, the one positive we can stay on is that we are playing well, and you just hope that those finishes would come sooner or later. Um, look, I, I don't want to spend too much time on that Watford game it's already been a few days since we did it. Uh, but yeah, let's look ahead to this kind of massive, massive March schedule that's coming up. Uh, just before we do, I wanted to give a quick shout out to like Player of the Month because I just saw that announced today where there's a, a Langer, Sancho and Varane are our nominees for that. 
Uh, I would definitely give it to Alanga for this. Although, yeah, Sancho has been in good form as well. Um, I don't know who you'd pick for the pick of the month so from February. I'd probably go Sancho. Um, I think Alanga's been very good. Has had a very positive impact as well. And if he wins it, he's entitled to win it. That's absolutely not an issue. But I do think you're starting to see why we bought Sancho. He's turning into the player that we all hoped he would be. He takes his man on. He doesn't get down about if he takes a man on and the guy tackles him. He doesn't doesn't phase him. He gets the ball back, goes again. He's very clever. Doesn't hold on to the ball too long either. And I just think you're starting to see over the last six weeks how good a player he is. And you just hope he just continues on this wavelength. And you would like to see a few players catch him up as well because... That's where I'm on about like there's so many chances because he maybe doesn't get the assist. It's this thing of he gets he would get the assist before the assist because it's his bit of movement, it's his run, and it's something that he does with the ball to make it easier for the next guy to play and the next player. And yeah, if it went to Sancho, I, I would think that's very deserved. But as I said, if it went to Alanga, I think that's deserved as well because he's been very good since since he's come in and really took his chance yeah I would just like to see Sancho turn that really good play into a few more actual yeah, goals more and goals, assists yeah. um, but he is playing so much better I mean I remember saying earlier in the season that he's just clearly playing within himself like he's not taking the man on he's just going for the safe pass to keep hold of the ball and now you can see he's trying to get past that guy and I think yeah some credit has to go there to Ranić. I don't know whether there's he's had a chat with him about some German Bundesliga stuff or whatever uh, but there's definitely something that's switched on in Sancho now I mean we know he's had some personal issues off the pitch as well uh, where somebody was ill and then there was a death in the family so maybe that's something that's helped him out to get past it there but yeah like I say we're definitely now seeing that player that we spent the money for and uh, hopefully, yeah, he can come and set some up. And yeah, that's a big one to remember as we go into this. Is a nice uh, segue into the City preview. Is that, of course, uh, Jaden Sancho is an ex-Man City youth player who they were like pretty annoyed to let go. Yeah. It's kind of similar situation to, you know, when we lost Pogba or something like that. They really didn't want to let him go. But he wanted to go elsewhere for first-team football. Took a big chance. He was that first one who went out to Germany. Now we see quite a few young players uh, go out there, whether it's Bellingham and there's been quite a few others like younger players who've gone there with various degrees of success, even people like Adamola Luckman. And there's been several, several kind of young English players who looked at Sancho and then said, yeah, well, look, why would we sit on the bench over here if we can get game time in the Bundesliga? Um, and yeah, he went there, he did it. Uh, he did so well and now he's come back to Manchester and I know that he will have been waiting for this game to go back to City and I'm pretty sure that's part of the reason he wanted to come to United because I think he always felt like that Guardiola didn't give him the chance he deserved and that he wants to prove something to him. So yeah, let's hope he can do that this weekend over there at City. Um, look, we'll focus obviously on this big derby game but yeah, it, it, I'll remind again, Manchester City, Tottenham, Atletico Madrid, Liverpool. That is our March schedule. It really couldn't be that much harder. And there's so many stories in each of those games. Obviously, City and Liverpool are the ones where they were, you know, the first kind of step in Ole's downfall. That we got absolutely hammered off both of them uh, at home this season. So, yeah, we really need to get some kind of results over here. And this is the problem where we've dropped points in the so-called easier games, whether it's Burnley, Southampton, Watford, that now if we've got to have any chance of top four, we need to be pulling out some results over here. And I do just gives me like a memory back to like, do you remember under Louis van Gaal? I think it was like a similar time of season and most people had written us off for top four and we had a crazy run. I think it was also City, Spurs, Liverpool, and he managed to win every single one of them. And then we, yeah, we got that top four finish. If Remember Juan Mata scored an absolute cracker at Anfield. And yeah, there was, like I said, Louis van Gaal pulled out a run and I'm hoping that Ralph Ranier can do something like that again. That's what we need. That's the only way we're really going to get that top four this time. Yeah, agreed. I mean, the van Gaal one is a good kind of parallel to look at because it was the 
so-called weaker teams that season that gave us a lot of problems because obviously we'd implemented this style of play where it was just dominate the ball, keep it passing, be very solid defensively. And while we were solid defensively, we didn't give up many chances. It was so boring to watch because there was just no penetration, especially against the teams lower down in the league who were wise to this and just came and sat in and refused to do nothing. And I think you're right. I think it was around about the the March time that this run came and we were all looking at it thinking we could be in real bother here because we're already off the pace. We're, We're playing all these big teams one after the other. We need one hell of a run here. And to be fair to Van Gaal and the team, pulled it out. As you said, there was the Wanfield scoreline. I'm pretty sure that was the run where we played Arsenal as well. They were in amongst that and we beat them. We beat Tottenham as well, I'm sure. So it can be done. It absolutely can be done. Um, you would just... The thing that is concerning me, as I said, at the same time as hoping there is a scoreline around the corner that we smash somebody, it's just been going on a long time, this not scoring goals, and it will kill us against these better teams if we if we're as poor as converting our chances as we have been in these next three or four games, it is going to cost us big time. And you just hope on on Sunday we get off to a decent start on this run because I've had a look at the previous couple of games against City at the Etihad. So last season, 2-0 to United. The season before that, 2-1 United. The season before that was City's win, 3-1 year before that was when we beat them 3-2 to stop them winning the league against us. And then the last one that I looked at was a 0-0 back, I think, in 16-17. So in the last five in the league at the Etihad, also, we've actually won three. I think in there as well, there was also a... We beat them 1-0... Uh, in the League in, Cup. In the League Cup, exactly, yeah. So I think yeah. it's the last... Does so, that mean the last three times we've gone to the Etihad, we've won? It's three out of the last four, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Three out of the last four times we've beat them at the Etihad. And you're looking at that thinking, that's 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 a bloody good record, that. Never mind even... You forget, even forgetting about the Man City, if you're going to an away ground and winning three out of the last four, you're really happy with that. The fact we've done that at City does just give you a little bit of, not confidence, but just a little bit to, to think about, to think, well... We've done it in the past. We won 2-0 last year. We won 2-1 the year before. We beat them in the League Cup 1-0. If we go, I always think with City as well, if you can if you can go to the Etihad and keep them quiet for the first 15-20 minutes, you've got an excellent chance of winning the game, I think. Because they tend to just start this, pass the ball around, waiting for the opposition to make a mistake. They start fast. They start. They always start really fast. But I, I always think if you can hold if you can hold them out for the first twenty minutes, I think you've got a very good chance of actually scoring on the break, scoring one or two on the break, even like Tottenham did, like we've done in the past, and then seeing the game out. So it is just this issue of goal scoring for me on Sunday. I think if we can sort that out, I think we've got a very good chance. I mean, recent history, as I said, tells you that that we've got a. Good record there. We tend to do quite well. There's, yeah, the Sancho thing's big. I think he would love to go and put a marker down on Sunday. And I think I, there's a lot of narrative around this game and a lot of recent history around this game that suggests United should do okay on Sunday. So there's a lot to think about in terms of we can get a result, but. Yeah, it's just the recent goal scoring for me that's that's annoying. Yeah, I mean, I think that one thing is that the way Ole used to set up, actually, he absolutely tactically was perfect to play against Pep. And that's why it worked again and again, you know, hit them on the break, soak up the pressure. And yeah, that's why it worked every time. I mean, Ranić is a little bit different. He will not probably want the team to sit back as much. Although, yeah, I don't know if he'll go for a different kind of way to go... Uh, different system in going away at the Etihad will be interesting to see because lately he's played every game in exactly the same way uh, that kind of four he's he's now calling it 4-1 uh, tooth going from there basically whereas before under Ole it was 4-2-3-1 whereas he's saying look I've got one holding player and two sent forward so it's more like a 4-3-3 really 
Um, and I think we get a kind of good clue at some of the players who will play for Manchester City because they're actually playing tonight as as we're recording in the FA Cup. Uh, you know, that's one slight thing that does go in our favour is that we get this midweek off because, yeah, we got knocked out, obviously, from Middlesbrough. Uh, so they've shuffled the pack a fair bit and, you know, the likes of Grealish and Jesus have come in who've not played that much. But I think you can see from their bench the players who've been rested who are obviously going to start against us. And there's Raheem Sterling, Kevin De Bruyne, Bernardo Silva, uh, Rodri, Laporte. So these will, I'm sure, they're all going to start against us, basically. And then, yeah, of course, there'll be a few others who are starting over there. Uh, Zinchenko's been in there and, you know, he's been in the press a fair bit because of all the Ukraine stuff. Um, I doubt he will actually play against us because he's played in this game over there. But <clears throat> I... I would assume that Ranjit will go for the same system and a similar kind of lineup. I mean, I'm not expecting any surprises. He has kind of talked in the past about maybe playing three at the back. You know, when he played Lindelof right back the other day and everybody was kind of yeah. a bit surprised. And he said, oh, it's because I was thinking that we could easily switch to a three if need be. And I just wonder if that was kind of a nod to things he might be thinking about. Uh, he said it a couple of times about moving to three at a back, but then has not actually ended up doing it. And I think it's been because some centre-backs have been injured and he maybe didn't have the options. But, uh, I, yeah, it looks... I, I would assume he'll stick with that four and one defensive play. I mean, we don't know yet if McTominay is going to be available or not. Um, he's, you know, he's more had an illness than been injured. So you might think he can yeah. come straight back in. You know, if you've been injured for a couple of weeks, you think, oh, well... He's not going to come back in. But if it's illness, maybe he will. And I do think we've missed him. Although I do think even Matic had a good game against Watford and did exactly what he needed to do. Um, the, the other random thing that's happened all of a sudden and is that right-back spot of ours. That In that first month of Ranić, it looked like Dallow had really made that his own. Now, all of a sudden, he's not featured at all. So, you know, he gave Lindelof that game at right-back. And then against Watford, I was surprised to see Aaron Wan-Bissaka start when Dallow's not played for a couple of weeks now. Uh, you know, everybody kind of thought that he's that Wan-Bissaka is now right down the pecking order. But I, I, I don't, I'm not really sure how Ralph has like now promoted Wan-Bissaka to come back in there. Um, and I thought Wan-Bissaka actually had a relatively good game against Watford. So yeah, that right-back spot seems like the one that's wide open and it's really going to be interesting to see who he goes with there. Yeah, I think so as well because I kind of I had made a note saying like you know who who would you like to see play on Sunday and McTominay if he's if he's available and he is fully recovered after his illness yeah I think he absolutely has to play on Sunday um, yeah and then I just made a note about the lot because then I kind of put question mark purely for the same reason you've just mentioned that he seemed as though that was his own position, as if that was sorted. And now, yeah, it's probably the one position on the pitch from game to game, you genuinely don't know who's going to play. Because even at left-back, I think Tellez has done okay, but I, I still get the impression Shaw is now back to being number one choice. Yeah, and I'm, Tellez I'm sure will maybe play... I reckon Shaw will. He was rested and will definitely start yeah. the city game. I think, I think so as well. And so I think Teller is, is just the guy now that if we want to see a game out, if Shaw's booked, say for example, and we'll try to see a game out and try and avoid sending off, Teller's might come on, or it'll be one of these games like the Watford game. Teller's will come. Teller's will play that. I think Shaw's back to being number one position on the left back, but right back, yeah, I genuinely don't know who's going to play right back in that Man City game and I think the three at the back is a fair shout as well because it was unusual to do it against the Atletico Madrid and I've seen a lot of people saying oh it absolutely didn't work it didn't work because you can see the goal an absolutely brilliant goal five minutes in so it just snookers your game plan after five minutes so I, I do wonder if he will try that again on Sunday and just and, and just see if he can limit the chances City get. Play maybe rather than a 4-4 or a 4-1, 3-2, whatever it will be, he might play three at the back and tell the two fullbacks whether it's, I don't know, Dallow and Shaw, 
We're also going with three at the back. We're going to be really solid in the midfield and we'll just see what we can do on the counter for the first hour. And if it's going okay, maybe change it up for the last 30, 20, 30 minutes if we need to. So it is intriguing, the City game, because as well as the right-back slot, I am actually intrigued to think, are we going to play the same formation? Because there has been a couple of decisions in the last few weeks that make me think he has had an eye on this run coming up, knowing that it might make or break the season. And rather than play the same style that he's played for the last four, five, six weeks now, there may be a few subtle changes just to think, let's just make sure, at the very least, we try and stay as solid as we can defensively, don't give up stupid chances, and see if that also helps going forward. Because, as I say, again, goal scoring is an issue, so maybe a change to the formation might help take a bit less pressure, a bit more pressure rather, off some players. And we just concentrate on being quite robust instead of being a bit more attacking. Yeah, no, I mean, like, even if it's not three at the back, I wouldn't be surprised to see Lindelof come in in that right-back role again. I mean, we all he was quite clearly playing right-back for that game and I thought he did pretty well. I don't think that yeah, was so a problem. And, you know, he's obviously defensively solid. He's not going to offer as much going forward. But I think, yeah, again, so, sorry, just, just, sorry to interrupt, but I do actually think, because it needs to be said, he's been our best defender this season. And I'll happily say that because I've stuck by him in the past because I always thought he got a bit more stick than was necessary. And while he's not the best defender in the world, he's still a good defender. And I think he has actually shown this season he is a very good defender. And at times when the season's threatened to collapse and loads of players have been injured, loads of players have been out of form, I actually think in a very difficult season for him as well, by the way, with issues with COVID, with issues with I think his house was broken into a few months ago as well. He's had a lot to deal with off the pitch and he's just been the consummate professional and played really well whenever he's been available. Yeah, and I, I have to admit that I was one who gave him quite a bit of stick. Uh, you know, there was a lot of individual errors, I thought, that last season in particular, that he was part of the problem where we were giving goals away at vital times. But yeah, this season, I think, yeah, he has played a lot better. And there has been a lot of clamour for saying that Maguire is the one who needs to be dropped. And I can totally understand that. You know, on form, you would say that Lindelof and Varane are the better kind of partnership. Uh, the only issue, of course, is when Harry Maguire's got the captain's armband. It becomes yeah. quite difficult to drop him. But he was actually rested for that Watford game. You know, Ole never rested Harry Maguire in the whole time <laughs> he was there. Whereas, you know, this was the first time. And yeah, I'm sure it was just rested and not dropped. You know, some people are saying, oh, I'm glad to see that Ralph has realised that uh, Harry only deserves a spot on the bench. But I'm pretty certain he was rested and he will be back in for the City game. But yeah, as I said, I wouldn't be surprised to see all three of them start and just for that bit of kind of defensive solidity, as it seems that right-back spot is up for grabs. And then, you know, I would go McTominay. Fred, for me, has to play in these kind of games. Yeah, uh, and then, yeah, it's Bruno. Ronaldo has to still start. And then, yeah, I would go with Alango and Sancho. Sancho. That means Pogba and Rashford start on the bench. I'd agree with that. Yeah, that's what I would pick. And... Yeah, but, you know, that gives you some good options as well coming in from the bench. Uh, but yeah, that is the way I think has to be going. Langer at the moment is on the form where he gets ahead of Rashford. Uh, and, you know, just to touch on Rashford, because I started seeing on Red Cafe, I've seen a thread go up on saying, you know, would you sell Marcus Rashford? And there's a lot of people saying, yes, I absolutely would not. Uh, you know, he's a player. He's, you know, he broke through now. It's actually like six years, which is crazy because you still think of him as like a young player. But it was like six years ago that he came through under Louis Van Gaal and scored some amazing goals. And he's been a very good player for us for years and years. He has had a horrible kind of year or so now. Uh, I mean, don't forget that most of that time he was playing either injured or then had surgery and has just been coming back from it. For sure, this season has not been good for him at all. But I would not write off a player who's come through our academy has done so many vital goals for us and assists over time. Plus, you know, he's had all these kind of off-field issues 
by getting abuse for just doing great work, saving bloody children's lives, and he gets abuse for that, uh, plus racism and stuff like that. And yeah, there's no way I would be selling Marcus Rashford. Uh, you know, you saw, like I say, a few months ago, Jaden Sancho was in terrible form. And just, you know, one month can make all that difference that all of a sudden we're saying that, you know, he should be player of the month. Uh, and, you know, I know Marcus Rashford has still got a lot more in him. And, yeah, he just needs to find himself. And, and like you said that about uh, Ranić saying, you know, Alanga plays with a smile on his face and he's happy yeah. to be there. That's how Rashford was when he came through. Just, you know, carefree, just going for the gamble, getting in behind. And, yeah, he needs to come back to that. Uh, you know, he has still scored a couple of goals for us off the bench recently. So maybe that is the best way for him to get back in the team. Start on the bench, come in and do something. Um, but yeah, I do understand why people are getting at him. But I think there's always this like overreaction when players have a few bad months. Uh, you know, if it went like another year or so and he was in that form, then yeah, of course. But there's no way after just a few months of bad form after having surgery that I'm ready to write off Marcus Rashford. I think... To be fair, I did say in that thread, I think we are approaching a point where a decision or a discussion, at the very least, might need to be had sooner rather than later. Because as much as he's still been scoring, I, and I, I was at the game, I think it was against Norwich a couple of years ago, just before COVID hit, and he, he scored two goals that day and was fantastic. And that was when he had his injury issues with his back and the shoulder and then I think it was the very next game where he got injured against Wolves and then that was him out for a while. I think this stems from he had to keep playing because we literally had nobody else so he had to keep playing and keep playing and he's then had surgery to fix the issues too late and it's as if this malaise that he's going through because it has been all season and I appreciate yeah he still scored goals but this malaise that he's going through, where he just look, he just looks unhappy. And you're exactly right when he, referring to the statement about players playing with a smile on their face. I mean, it's so cliche, but with Rashford, it's so true. He's the one player that that it just looks like everything is so hard for him just now. It's so hard for him to to make the right runs, to pass the ball, to to just think about what he's doing. I mean, the game against. Atletico, there was the there was the one bit where he got the ball. I don't even know forty yards from goal. Shaw's on the overlap, and he smashes this ball into the top side, like more or less the top stanchion, and you're just watching it, just thinking like, what? I, I don't even know what he's thinking now because there's so many options outside him, and you could actually see a few players up front kind of crack up at him as if to say, "Come on, like think about it," sort of thing, and. I think it's like, yeah, when players are like trying too hard. Yeah, I remember like Wayne Rooney used to do this. You know, he used to do this sometimes when he'd just try and think he needs to win the game on his own. Yeah. And you just say, listen, just calm down a bit and maybe start just doing the simple things. And, you know, if you're not, if it's not working for you when you're taking on a man, whatever, just do the running, play the simple passes, uh, you know, do the hard work for the team rather than think, oh, I'm going to smash in a 30-yarder or I'm going to play this Hollywood ball. Uh, and, you know, that's it. It's just sometimes you literally put too much pressure on yourself and you're trying too hard. And, you know, there's been these stories come out about how he's been putting in extra training. He's been asking, like, Ronaldo for advice. So I think you can almost tell that he needs to just chill out a bit. Yeah, he needs to relax. not put all that yeah. pressure on himself, really. But I also think the schools made... A very good observation after the Atletico game as well, I, I thought. Because Rio said the same about he needs to calm down, he needs to get back to basics. Scholes then immediately followed it up with, yeah, but who's telling him that? And he didn't mean Rangnick and the coaching staff. He meant when Rashford's trying stuff, like where he gets the ball miles out, he's got 1% chance of scoring, still takes the shot on and ignores ignores the other passes. Scholes was referencing, like, so Rooney, for example, or Ronaldo when he first came through. If somebody tried that in the teams of the past, never mind Sir Alex, the senior pros on the pitch wouldn't necessarily have a goal, but they would certainly let the player know, look, that's not good enough, just calm down, the chance will come. And it's almost as if, at the moment, if Rashford's trying stuff like that, or Sancho was trying stuff like that earlier in the season, 
who are the who are the pros? Who are the senior pros in the team that are really standing up and telling the players, look, calm down, just grab the game by the scruff of the neck in the sense of stop forcing the issue, stop getting wound up, stop getting too hurried, just calm down. Just keep it going, the, the chances will come, we'll work it out. Because Scholes is right, that there's none of that on the pitch just now. And that that's the things like through the game on Saturday, the chances keep coming and you see the players getting more and more wound up and snatching at chances and things just going awry. And it's, I do think we just lack, we just lack a bit of leadership on the pitch at times. We just lack somebody just getting a hold of the players a little bit and just calming them down and, and just trying to just stop, just take the pressure off them a little bit because... I do think that, I mean, I've been at a few games this season and it just seems like on the pitch when you're watching the game, we just lack that that character, if you like. Somebody, it doesn't have to be a midfielder or anything of that sort, I just mean somebody on the pitch to just get a hold of players when things are going a bit wrong and they're getting a bit too hard on themselves. It's, it's something that needs to be addressed in the summer, I think. No, I mean, on-pitch leadership has been an issue for us for years and years and years. And I'm not even just talking about Harry Maguire. It's just like a general thing that we've definitely just lacked for a long time now. Uh, And yeah, you know, there is these reports about Ronaldo versus Maguire and stuff like that, which I don't really put much faith in. No, I mean... Uh, I think it's fine to have different guys who want to be leaders and everything like that. Um, But yeah, it is a problem for us, for sure. That is who is directing, who is the ones who are like telling the young players, this is what you need to do. Uh, so, yeah, and look, I don't know exactly who can come out as being that real leader for us. Um, but, yeah, we'll see from there. I mean, yeah, after that, we'll touch on it quickly, but because we'll obviously do a pod after the City game and talk more about it. But after that, it will be Spurs. Yeah. And, yeah, Conte. And, of course, Spurs beat City. So they've shown that City are not undefeatable. Uh, and that they do have some weakness over there. So, yeah, we can build off that over there. That Spurs game will have plenty of story behind it as well, with Conte especially, because, you know, there was a lot of our fans who were disappointed when we passed up the chance to get Antonio Conte. And I'm absolutely certain that it was United who said, look, we're not interested, whereas it was quite clear that Conte was pretty desperate to come to United and then went to Spurs because we, we decided to give Ole some more time at that point. And I know there was a lot who said at the time, look, we're going to regret this. Spurs are going to finish above us. But uh, you saw with that meltdown that Conte <laughs> had the other day, which is hilarious. I think it was what? They lost to Burnley, didn't they? Yeah, they and lost that, to Burnley and he, and that, he just started that run. It was absolutely hilarious. It was brilliant. I mean, and that run is the exact reason why I did not want Conte and why a lot of people <laughs> said, yeah, this is not the right character to come to our club, even though he's undoubtedly a great coach. You know, he's won the Premier League, he's won Serie A, and he's won them with teams who weren't the favourites to win it at all. So, yeah, he is a very good coach and he is a winner. But, uh, you know, his Spurs. So, <laughs> let's see where we go Lads, it's Spurs. Yeah, before we round up, I do want to give a shout out to our sponsors, Manscaped. Uh, they've been backing us now for like more than a year, which is great. Uh, they're talking about yeah coming out and get the Manscaped package for this spring, a bit of a spring spring cleaning in your pants. Uh, Manscaped to the global leaders in men's below the waist grooming and have forever changed the grooming game with their amazing performance package 4.0. Inside this Borkair bundle, you'll find their lawnmower 4.0 trimmer, weed whacker ear and nose hair trimmer, crop preserver deodorant, crop reviver toner, their performers broxers briefs, and a travel bag to hold all your goodies. And yeah, that's exactly the package we've all had to use, right? And uh, I'm assuming your your package still gets good use, does it, Jamie? Oh yeah, absolutely. Um, I always quite like. I think it's the ball deodorant. There's the one I liked and the fragrance one. And yeah, there, I mean, you see anyone who's bought their products will know that it's not all just lagging it up, is it? It's a very, very good product and it's very popular as well. And quite rightly so. It's a very good, very good product. So that's it. Yeah, go and check out manscaped.com. The performance package is the one to go for and use the code UNITEDHOUR20 for 20% off and free shipping. 
Uh, and yeah, just before we finish off, I did want to have a quick chat actually about David De Gea. Because uh, I know just earlier today we were having a chat in our own kind of podcast group. And, uh, you know, somebody had thrown out these stats comparing him on some, you know, what you call modern kind of keeper stats about past success, about how many times he's sweeping and coming out of his box, uh, how many times he's kind of punching and setting up plays over there. And, you know, undoubtedly De Gea's had an absolutely great season in shot stopping and has saved so many chances for us. And we know that is what he's best at. But I think there is actually a major discussion to be had about whether the way De Gea plays, and he always stays on his line, he never comes out, his passing is not good. Time and time again, you'll see that his goal kicks just go to nobody. And that's why, remember, um, Ranić's actually abandoned this, but you remember under Ole, when we started having that De Gea would just do short passes out to the defenders. And yeah. uh, I always really got worried about that. And I was always like, they're going to give it away. They're going to give it away. We're going to concede. That's because I've been brought up as an old school defender where it's like, listen, lump the ball out of here. We don't want it anywhere around here. And yeah, that's the way I've been trained up. You know, not this like new modern way of playing from the back. Uh, so yeah, it always kind of feels to me a gamble. But to be fair, it was rare that we gave away balls from defence over there. Sometimes it did happen that the ball went to the midfielder who lost it. And it ended up going. I can remember a couple of times with Pereira and Fred where that kind of thing happened. But uh, De Gea's distribution, for me, is a major issue. Uh, you know, I always look at the pass like accuracy stats. And, you know, you don't expect maybe that much from your goalie. But when you look at the likes of, the, you know, the top ones, uh, you know, will be facing um, him on for City over there. And also Alisson over at Liverpool. You know, they're hitting like 80, kind of nearly 90% from goalkeeping, which is amazing. Whereas De Gea is down in the kind of 60s. And as well, you look at how many times he's coming to sweep out and clear from outside the box. And these guys are both in double digits. And De Gea's down at three. Uh, there's other ones as well about punching. And, and, you know, generally, I think there is a big problem with De Gea on how he kind of commands his box. Even though he's, a, like I say, undoubtedly an outstanding shot stopper. Um, but yeah, I don't know where you're at on De Gea at the moment. There does seem to be some people who are saying, look, as good as he's been, he, he is a part of our problems at the moment. I think, first of all, yeah, I think he's been back to his shot-stopping best and, if you like, the core principles of the goalkeeping side, he's been back to his best with that. Even I'm less anxious this season than I was last year about crosses coming out the box, I think he's a bit. He's been better at punching the ball clear. He's been better at claiming the ball. He's been much better, as we just said, at shot stopping. So yeah, massively happy with that. But there is a problem with the sweeping aspect. The you see, you hear defenders talk about. Oh, it's, it's always good when you know that the goalie behind you can be relied on. And while. That was true 10 years ago in the sense that because the defence always played a little bit deeper. So if the other team did bypass you, by the time they've actually bypassed the defensive line, they're almost on the edge of the box. So all the goalie needs to do is, I say all he needs to do, but he has principle there, principle mission there is stop the ball going in the net. Because teams play such a high line now, and the big and better teams all do it, it is essential that your goalie is good at sweeping, is controlled. He isn't going to muck about in the sense that try and control the ball. Because how many times you see the ball go through and Allison or Edison or even Mendy at Chelsea, the minute the ball goes through, if it's in the air or it's bouncing, they just clear it into the touch. They don't muck about with it. They don't try and bring it down to control it. It's just get rid of the ball. And it's, there's a lot to be said about movement of your forward players as well. So Allison got the assist, I think it was last week, for one of Salah's goals. And that that's great movement by Salah. But still, at the same time, you need you need a goalkeeper who can spot that run. You need somebody who can actually see these chances before they exist. Because Ederson does it for Man City as well, whether it's Bernardo Silva, whether it's Raheem Sterling. These players are always alert now because they know, even if their goalie's got it, if they make the correct run, the goalie's so, so good at passing and is so accurate, 
he'll pick them out from literally the other end of the pitch. So while I think De Gea has done much better this season, I do think, yeah, there's absolutely a, a decision to be made. The only problem I would say is I think we've we have a couple of really core issues coming up this summer that it can be shelved for 12 months. But I do think, yeah, probably the summer of next year is where I would be looking to probably replace him, even if he was to stay another 12 months or sign a new deal for another couple of years. I do think next summer is the year that we need to be looking at going and getting a young goalie who can help us progress forward. But as I said, I, ju- I just think this summer there's, there's there's too many other immediate decisions to be made. So there'll, there'll be a new manager coming in. We need a new, a, at least a couple of new defenders. We need at least a couple of midfielders, you would argue as well, plus a striker. So I just think it can be shelved for 12 months. But I do think, yeah, summer of next year is something that probably should be looked at then. Yeah, I mean, I do think that Dean Henderson has been so unlucky this season. And uh, I do think he is better than De Gea on distribution. He is better at coming out of his box. And I think he is more commanding off his box in general. Uh, And, you know, if he hadn't got COVID, I'm pretty sure he would have started this season as number one. And who knows if we would have had, you know, difference on there. But yeah, to be fair to De Gea, he has made some outstanding saves this season. And that is what he's good at. He's a great shot stopper. But it's just about his more all-round game. And we should say that clean sheet that he got the other day against Watford uh, did put him now ahead of Peter Schmeichel into the top 10 clean sheet goalies of all time in the Premier League. Um, There's a couple of other ex-United goalies in that top 10. Van der Sar is in there. Also, Tim Howard. Uh, Do you know who's number one in that all-time clean sheet list? Uh, I think it would have to be Peter Cech, wouldn't it? Yeah, well done. You're right. You're right, Peter Cech, number one over there. Um, But yeah, look, fair play to De Gea, as I say. He's still had a much better season than I was expecting, but I do feel sorry for Dean Henderson, and part of me just wonders if he'd been in net, could it have kind of helped our all-round play when Ole was there? But look, who knows? We're past that at this point now. Um, But yeah, it is an interesting thing to look at because he's been getting a lot of plaudits, and even, you know, I think it was December where De Gea was the first goalie for years and years to win Player of the Month. Um, yeah. I think it was something like seven, eight years since the last time a goalie won the whole Premier League Player of the Month, not just United Player of the Month. So, yeah, as I say, his rejuvenation has been great. But still, it was interesting seeing some of those statistics and comparing some of his other parts of his play to other goalies. Uh, as bef- just to finish off here, why don't you throw me out a prediction for this City derby on the weekend? Uh, I think it'll be 2 2. Um... I think I'll even give you a couple of goal predictions. I think Sancho will score. And purely because his name came up three times, I think Gundogan will score for City as well. Just because I've seen that he's been a regular goal scorer for City against us, specifically at the Etihad. So I was like, yeah, I can see him scoring actually. So I I think a score draw 2-2. All right, well, I'm, I'm always the glass half full optimist, so I think we're going to get a win here just because we need it in this top yeah. four race, as I say. Like, you know, Arsenal have got, I think, three, yeah, three games in hand on us now. So, yeah, they're very much in the hot seat there. And, in fact, Arsenal are now odds-on favourites uh, to get that top four place. We're around 2-1, to 5-2, to two, and the Tottenham are around, like, 3-1. to one. And Just a couple of months ago, all three of us were around 3-1. to one. We were all, like, the bookies had us all kind of even, and at one point, they had us, uh, but at this point, Arsenal are very much in the driving seat and will need to mess up. And, yeah, we need to keep the pressure on them and force them to keep going there. And, yeah, as I say, it's going to have to be a Louis van Gaal-style Big game wins to get us into that top four, and um, I think we can. I think we can start it with this city game. Uh, I don't think we will keep a clean sheet, so I'm going for two one win to us over here. Uh, I would love so, that. That would be brilliant. 
you know, for sure we will record after City and because we've just got one game a week now, we'll basically just be recording after those. I know a lot of our fans, uh, listeners got <laughs> excited because we did two podcasts last week and there was uh, several messages saying, oh, I hope it's going to be a regular thing and um, don't want to set any unrealistic expectations. And uh, I think, yeah, this month we will be back to one a week. But yeah, maybe when the games start coming thick and fast again, we may uh, throw out a couple of pods for you again. But yeah, look, we do love all the feedback we get. So do hit us up on Twitter. And we are there on Facebook and Instagram as well. Uh, come and join the discussion as well that goes on Red Cafe every week about the podcast and plenty of other interesting threads on there. And yeah, we look, we will see you after this City game. And until then, good night from me. Good night, troops. Sports Social Podcast Network. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.